So just remember that there's a lot of power, a lot of value in your story. So as you go out this week, know that people are taking mental notes. You're leaving a footprint wherever you go. Um, So for the last couple of weeks, we've been in the series um, and... I showed you a graphic, right? And the graphic looked like, looks like this. And we've been asking how many of those blanks we can fill in. First name, last name of people who you live around, people who you work with, um, people who you encounter maybe at the store often. Um, and I was having lunch last week with a friend. And he said, you know what, Poyo? Um, he says, I'm not sure... If I know if I could fill these out for many people um, at Love in Motion, um, so let that maybe be one of your context um, as well. Like the people who you've been sitting next to for months, for some of us even years, has it gotten beyond that superficial point? Um, first name, last name, maybe you know something a little bit deeper about them. And then through conversation and through loving and through doing life together, just other things come out, right? Your struggles, you share those. They share their struggles. Opportunities where maybe we've wept together or celebrated something. Um, So the goal is, as we go through this, to be able to fill out more of this. Not just for the sake of saying, I know a bunch of information, but because that would probably point back to us loving our neighbors well. So there's got to be a starting point, right? There's got to be a process of how we're doing this. And and today we're going to talk about how we move from just being strangers, having strangers in our lives, to making friends. Um, And by stranger, I would almost even go to say that just if you know somebody's first name, there's a lot of ability. There's a lot of room there for us to grow. So how do we go from stranger to acquaintance um, and then a friend? And friends always share what? Coke. A little Coke, right? Um, yeah, I should have uh, maybe put a Coke Zero in there or a Sunkist, right? So, so here's what we're looking at then during this series. How do we progress? Relationships are progressive. There's growth in him. And in that growth, there's going to be some times where it's really, really tough and you're challenged. And guess what? It's a great thing. And there's going to be some times where you just are looking back and celebrating. So for many of us, doing life like this is weird. It really is because we're not used to it, because we haven't stopped to prioritize, um, because we haven't made a focused effort to do life the way God wants us to do life. And scripture actually calls doing life like this the most important commandment. Chew on that for just a second. The first part of this verse says, love God with everything you've got. And he says the the second commandment is equally as important. And it's what? To love your neighbor. So if that's the most important thing in all of the Bible... In all of scripture, everything that Jesus Christ spoke and asked people to speak through him, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, then it would be a good thing 
for us to take heed to these words, the most important, and there are no greater commandments than these. So what's love? I mean, when Jesus Christ says, love your neighbor, what, what love is that? And it's a love where you put the needs of others before your own. It's a love that takes a lot of training and work and consistent practice. You guys catch that? It's not a, I have arrived and now for me to love this way, it's easy. But it is a daily looking for opportunities to put the needs of others beyond yourself. What does this look like practically? Being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This kind of agapao love looks like letting somebody in line before you. Whoa, Poyo, my time is valuable. I, I would agree with that. That's why this type of love is so countercultural. That's why it really doesn't make sense. That's why it's so difficult. It doesn't come natural and say, yeah, I've been standing here for a while, but yet I'm going to go ahead and allow them. This kind of love is perhaps you buying a meal for a friend or a coworker without them asking, without you expecting anything in return. Perhaps it's you thinking of that person sending them a card in the mail. Literally. Taking time to write something. Hey, thinking about you. Hope you're well. Having to take the time to put a stamp on it. Having to take the time to deliver it to wherever your mail gets taken from. There are opportunities every single moment of our lives to love like this. Comes easy? Nope. We would be setting ourselves up for failure if we say, I know it's going to come naturally tomorrow. But this is how Christ says we should love. In fact, he goes a little bit further in John chapter 13. And he says, people will know you are mine by the way you love. Not by the diplomas on your wall. Not by your financial bracket. Not by your employment status or lack of employment status. Not because of your relationship or your lack of relationship. Not by where you live. By the way, quick pause. All those things are beautiful. All those things are good. But Christ says, there is one way that people will know you are mine. And it's by the way we love them. So, others before self. Title for today's message, in case you're taking notes, is Party People. And a question as we get ready for this to have in the forefront of our minds is how do we begin to fill in the spaces? So we're looking at this graphic. We're in the middle and there are squares all around us, right? For the sake of the graphic, there are eight empty squares. Some of us can fill in number one for two, three people. Some of us can fill in number two, maybe for two. And number three, maybe for one, maybe for none. This is where 
the application of the message becomes personal for you. In these last couple of weeks, has there been maybe some progress already in you being able to see yourself serve and love and just be there? Reach out. Because that would be the goal, right? And if we know that things haven't worked in the past, then we know that something needs to be done, right? What's insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and yet expecting a different result at the end. So here's an opportunity where we feel the burn, perhaps, of these opportunities that we have. We don't walk away from the burn. We get close to the burn and we say, here's some wisdom from the Creator on how we flourish. Are there opportunities in your life to flourish? Or have you got it nailed down perfectly? I've got a lot of growth to do. And my guide is what comes out of the Word of God. Poyo, I am the Creator. I know how you flourish. The fish is in the water because I know the fish needs that water and flourishes in the water. Not a restriction that the fish cannot come out of the water. It's my design. And the design for us is do life like this. And as we do, we begin to flourish. So how do we begin to fill in the spaces, right? Here's a verse from Luke chapter 5, verse 27. And it says this. It says that as Jesus left the town he was in, he saw a tax collector named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. So he got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. Later, Matthew held a banquet in his home with Jesus as a guest of honor, and many of Matthew's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. All right. So let's think about what's going on here in these few verses. So Jesus is traveling from town to town via foot, and he's teaching people, and he's healing people, and people are beginning to respect and love him, and then there are some who say, Everything he's doing is ridiculous and they're meanwhile planning to kill him. So this is what's going on in the midst of all this. And Jesus is just moving on to the next town to do what? What his father sent him to do. And in this scenario, he sees this man by the name of Matthew. And Matthew works as a tax collector. Tax collectors were some of the most hated people at that time. This is why they were hated people. Because they worked for the Roman government. The Roman government was seen as very oppressive. So they came in to Jewish provinces, and the Romans said, we have power over you, and because we have power over you, we will impose laws and rules on you. And the tax collectors were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government. So 
he was charging. So these tax collectors were basically charging their own people a tax that the people didn't want to pay in the first place, and it came from under the rule and authority of a government that they thought was oppressive in the first place. Here's why I'm sharing that. Tax collectors were some of the most hated people. And it's, I'm spending a little bit of time there because if we don't grasp the weight of what this means when it was written, then we'll kind of miss a little bit about it. And Jesus looks at this tax collector and he says, hey, you, follow me. I want you to be my disciple. What's a disciple? Somebody who learns. Somebody who has a teacher and says, I want to do what the teacher does. In this case, the divine teacher, the master teacher, the son of God. Matthew has nothing to offer. He is among the despised. And that's who Jesus calls. And we see that later, Matthew held a banquet in his home with Jesus as a guest of honor. So something happened to Matthew. It says that he left everything and he began to follow Jesus. And he holds a party, a banquet at his house. And he invites all of his friends. And something's happening at that party. We are in a position, each one of us, to be able to share our stories. Share our stories of what God has done, how God has provided, how God has protected. And we can do that in the environment like Matthew did. He just called his friends and he said, Come, something has happened to me today, he said. And it's worthy of him preparing a banquet, a party. And people come to listen to his story. There is power in your story. Like what God is doing right now, how he speaks to you often and allows you to grow and sometimes it feels like you're taking some steps back, that's part of your story. The way he seems to encourage you and love you through friends in your life, that's part of your story. There's power in setting an environment where you're at already and allowing people to come into your life. You've got influence in areas that I don't have. This is where the church has it backwards, where it's, let me bring my friends to church and the church will change them will speak about Jesus to them. That is never intended according to the Bible. What's intended is for you to be a light and to shine in such a way that people ask why and you say, it's God. It's never intended for the church to be the place where the pastor does something that changes people's hearts. Jesus says the way you love is what tell people whose you are. 
what opportunities do you have in your domain to open up an environment and have people over and just share your story? Doesn't have to be a party where there's 10 people or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40. You don't have to grill, you don't have to have coolers full of alcohol. It helps. But what if you use what you've got already? What if we trust that we've got what it takes right now? What if you start off with one neighbor, one friend, and you're like, hey, we're going to get together on Saturday in the afternoon, a couple hours. What are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to play poker. Or we're going to weave. Or we're going to watch a game. Or we're going to play categories. Or you're just going to sit on my couch and I'm going to make a hot tea while you're covered in my blanket. We can laugh a little. We can cry a little if needed. We can sure encourage each other. There is so much power in your story. If you haven't been to our website in a while, can I encourage you to? You've shared stories already of what God has done. I I intentionally reached out and I said, hey, would you mind sharing some of what God's doing in your life right now? And you've got a story. You don't have to go make up a story. You don't have to dig really deep. Every single one of you has a story already. And the beautiful thing about that story is that they're progressive They're organic, they're alive, they're growing. How is God using this environment in your life to encourage you to open your eyes on how to love and serve others better? Maybe this environment has been for you when you most need it at the right time? That's your story. Because it doesn't point back to love and emotion necessarily. It points back to how much you're loved by God that he placed people around you when you needed those people. Or maybe you've just been blessed and you have a good time when you come to our Friday night grill outs. Maybe that's your story. There's some community there like I haven't had in a long time. There is power in your story. I often say that one of the things that separates us is that we have a hope of a better reality. What's a hope of a better reality, I've been asked? Is that Jesus is alive and working right now, today. He says in Revelation 21.4 that he wipes away the tears of our eyes. That's a hope of a better reality. That right now is temporary. We're passerbys. And that doesn't take the weight away from the pain that we have many times and the desires that maybe are not filled at the moment, but you know what it does? It gives us hope of a better reality. And if we're all broken, and if we're all struggling, and if we're all lacking in some way, what if that hope of a better reality is having each other? 
I say it often, our job isn't to save or change anybody. We're powerless. God does a saving. God does a restructuring in our hearts. You've got power in your story. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you how he's provided and shown up. At the time when I didn't have anybody else to reach out to, he provided through these folks, through this friend. At the time when I was so broken and so lonely, I knew what I had through there. That's your story. And there is such a variety in all those stories, and they're not there exclusively for yourself, but they're there for your friends, they're there for your neighbors. I say often, want to make an impact on what's happening here on a Sunday morning? Share your story more. Want to see more people sitting here? Share your story more. Don't do it with the agenda of getting here, getting them here one day. But let them desire what you've got, what he's doing. We tend to share everything in life. Except the most important things at time. What has God done? How has he healed me and provided and just encouraged me? There is power in your stories. Be creative on how you do something. Maybe you're about to move into a new place. You start off with fresh territory. Maybe you've been where you're at for a while. You've got great territory. You've got to pull the trigger though. I can almost guarantee that they're not going to come over and say, I've been thinking about you. I can almost guarantee that that's not going to happen. So if you're here listening to this word, maybe that's the catalyst to this. Be consistent on what you do. What does consistent mean? Once a week? Nope. Once every two weeks? Perhaps. Once a month? That's a good start. One friend? Sure. Five? Cool. Thirty? Go for it. You need some help doing it? Look at the person next to you. Get him involved. Need some advice? Talk to the person in front of you. Don't want to go at it alone? Invite people along. And most important in this is be loving. What if you created an environment where people walked into that environment knowing they're putting my needs above their own. Look how generous they are. Look how loving they are. Grab another one? Okay, I'll grab another one. How much? No, it's nothing. Just enjoy. Why? Because God's really good. We've been loved extremely well. It's the ability to understand how we're 
conduits. And he gives so we can give. There's power in a party. And it's so weird. We hear stories about it seldomly because it takes effort. It's easier to not... That's just a reality. It's just easier to not do that. But what if you've been placed strategically where you're going to live, where you are living, with the people who are around you now, with the person who's sitting next to you right now? What if that's an opportunity right there? It works because he says it works. There's gold next door. And by next door, it could be literally your neighbor, but it could be somebody who's in your life right now. There's gold there. A year ago, I met one of our neighbors. His name is Eric. has a wife, two young kiddos. And he has slowly become one of my best friends. He doesn't even live where we live anymore. But he is a guy who will send me a text and say, Hey, Pollo, I've been thinking about you this week. What if we grab lunch on Thursday? He's a guy who I can sit across the table at Chipotle and he says, How's your relationship with so-and-so, with a friend that we have in common? Have you heard what they're going through? How can we maybe be there for that person? I shared with Eric a couple months ago something that changed how I parent David. I shared with Eric that it was a beatdown that when I put my kid in bed, that he always called me back to give him something. And I think I've shared this before. So I'm winding down. All I want is to like put the kids in bed, tuck them out, turn off the lights, and leave. And David got into the season where, turn off the lights, we would sing with him, pray with him, give him a high five, find all the Lego pieces in the world that he wanted. And I was like tiptoeing out the door. And he says, Dad, can you do something for me? I'm thinking, no, dude, really? And I share that frustration with him. And he said, Poyo, what if that is David's way of just reaching out to you one last time and him going to bed knowing... I asked my dad for a glass of water, which is what he always wants. And instead of you getting frustrated, you see it as an opportunity to love him and say, you know what, son? I love you. Good night. It's not a problem for me to walk 30 paces, stick my hand under the fridge, because I don't have to pump the water, and say, it's no problem. Oh, you like the little bendy straws? I can get you one of those too. Oh, and I know you like the blue ones. I have to go through the pink and the yellow and the green. But you know what, son? It's really not an issue. What if he goes to bed knowing, whoa, my dad loves me so much. 
There's irony in this, so don't miss it. What if he loves me so much that he walked 30 paces, dug through straws, put his hand under the fridge, and walked back again, and he gave me a kiss on my cheek and said, here you go, son, I love you. But we're so selfish that we tend to look at it as a bother, as a nuisance. So these folks who are strangers never move to acquaintance, much less friends, because it's more comfortable to be over here. How many opportunities do we have right now, today? I'm not asking you to go and knock on doors and look for new people. They're next to you right now. There's gold next door. There are beautiful people with beautiful stories next to you right now. And here's one of the coolest things about how God's ways work is that it's not you just being there for them. But somehow when we love people like that, needs of others before our own, you know what it does? It builds an infrastructure where you are soon cared for by them. It just works out that way. Don't ask me how. We invest so much time into our friends and neighbors. And it's hard. And we are not experts. It is a daily focusing on why we do it. But here's where I'm going. We invest so much into it, but can I tell you that we are so blessed by you guys and by them? That's the beauty of it. We never sought out, so what can we get from him if we love him this way? But an infrastructure is naturally set up by the grace of Jesus that provides for you. It's not just for them. It's for you. And that continues to allow your story to progress. Here's how I'll close out. We heard about this tax collector, despised, hated, the scum of the town. Think about what the context of that would be for us today in this day and age. Maybe you think of tax collector and he's not in your mind the worst of the worst, the scum, the hated, the despised. What would that equate to today? Having the IRS over. Maybe. But what would that equate to today? Somebody who would say, no, their life is so jacked up. And Here's where I'm going with this. Is it that despised tax collector who had nothing to offer Jesus? And yet Jesus stopped, looked at him, had face-to-face interaction, said, I want you to be mine? That's our role today. This is the good news of all of this, is that in our brokenness, in our lack of He runs to us and pursues us and sees us in our moments of hurt, our hearts needing to be mended. And he says, I love you. This is the best news of all. 
There is no get your act together first and then you run to me. He called Matthew out exactly where he was, approached him, invited him to his life. And Jesus does that for us today. And this is what he whispers into our hearts today. I relentlessly am pursuing you and I take great joy in you. And I care for your heart and your wants and your desires right now. That's the best news of all. The son of the creator of the world reaching down to pick us up. And saying, I know you're weak. But I am strong and I love you. He's always involved. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. Motivate us. Compel us by the love that we've already received to be weird. In your son's name, amen.